is One Red Shoe, a podcast about obsessions. On this show, we look at music, art and sport from both sides of the equation. We talk to people about the things that they identify with, and we talk to the people who make and do those things. I'm Troy Foster, and this week I'm talking to VJ about the Black Crows, an American rock band formed in 1989 around brothers Chris and Rich Robinson. After bursting onto the scene in the early 90s with their debut, Shake Your Money Maker, and its follow-up, Southern Harmony Musical Companion, the band's fortunes declined in the second half of the 90s, and they took their first hiatus in 2002. They returned in early 2005, before breaking up again in 2015. Since then, the brothers have gone their separate ways, with the Chris Robinson Brotherhood and the Magpie Salute. We talked to VJ about how he became aware of the band and what it's been like following them through their various ups and downs. We also talk about the Rolling Stones, the Allman Brothers Band, Radiohead, Van Halen, Motorhead, local Adelaide band The Wanderers, and a whole bunch more. But it all links back to the Black Crows. Hi, VJ. Welcome to the One Red Shoe podcast. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me. No worries, man. How are you going? Great. How was the uh, How was the trip in with the with the weather? Uh, very good. Excellent. It's been exciting times for uh, us uh, Black Crows fans or those in the Black Crows universe because uh, uh, the Magpie Salute album dropped. Uh, yesterday. So, oh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, so this is very timely having yeah. you in to talk about the Black Crows. Indeed. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so I had that plugged in on the bus and um, uh, two thirds of the way through that album, first <laughs> listen and loving life. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, well, that leads nicely into my first question, which is what level of fan are you? Like, are you a super fan? Is this the all time favorite band? Basically, what place do they occupy in your musical identity? Well, yeah, pretty... Pretty significant. I mean, the, the reason I'm here probably is uh, I've just consistently banged on about them to anybody who will listen for uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, I've, I feel I've got the most, the ultimate bit of band merch in that I bought a, a Rich Robinson ES335 signature guitar. Well, that's, so, I'd say that's a, that's, a, that's a decent level of commitment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can talk about the guitar in detail uh, later if you like. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, look, I, I, I love them. It's, it is a tricky one. Like, I, I think about this a lot. Would they make – there would be – certainly there would be albums that would be on your Desert Island list. Um but then having said that, yeah, there's uh, other bands that would make that list as well. So, uh, but yeah, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd probably say I'm a, a three out of five star fan. Three out of five star. Yeah. Wow, that's 60%. That's only just a pass mark. I, I grade very lowly. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh marker, man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, so how and when did you get into these guys? Because obviously this was before you could check out and you know scope a band out on Spotify or uh, YouTube. Yeah, uh, well, I was sort of put onto them by some friends in the, in the nineties, and it was after uh, Shake Your Money Maker had been out, uh, and I wasn't particularly aware of that album. And uh, these guys I'd met uh, were hanging around, and they were great concert goers, and we went to see the Black Crows at the Thebi Theatre and I was aware of that album uh, before they before they toured and so did, so did these guys talk you into going or was it was it was that what pulled you in was it their enthusiasm oh no they were uh, uh, 
in a band, so they were playing a lot of covers. So we were playing Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and, and uh, we were listening to a lot of this stuff. I think they were playing some uh, Black Crow stuff as well. And uh, and so, yeah, we got on to uh, Southern Harmony as soon as it, it came out. And I totally loved that album, and which was solidified by seeing it live. And anybody who was at that Debbie gig, it was just truly an amazing gig from so, so that was the southern harmony tour that's right yeah so and, so every time you've been listening to the metallicas and the guns and roses and whatnot it's quite a different uh genre obviously it's a bit of a diversion from that sort of sound yes and i never you know, haven't really had a, a real rock background in tunes anyway uh as far as heavy metal so you, you uh, weren't like disappointed when the black album came out like some of us no <laughs> that's right <laughs> took, yeah. took, took us a while to get over that one but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so you know black album i was probably t- target market for the black album right uh, in fact so um which i must say is a brilliant album in case anyone's thinking <laughs> i'm dissing metallica but that's right <laughs> uh and yeah thanks to these guys saw that tour too and got in the uh, snake pit which was fantastic so uh, okay there's no need to show off <laughs> but yeah i mean and these these uh guys were really great at getting front row so you know back in the, those days the thebby we were pressed up against the floorboards of the Thebby stage right underneath Rich Robinson's feet. So, uh, yeah, there's a, sto- so, sorry, oh, there's a story there that during that gig, uh, my friend uh, Dean, who was um, the guitarist in the band and is, is a great guitarist, was playing along to the songs with some chords that were taped down right in front. So it was sort of strumming uh, and like so precisely to the songs that Rich was playing. Rich bent down. And gave him a pick directly. Oh, that's and, epic. Uh, and Dino had already grabbed, had another pick, one had fallen down, and he so that was his second pick of the night. And with that spare pick, he reached past all of us and passed it to some girl that we've never seen before and have never seen since. Well, that's just that's just youthful enthusiasm, isn't it? Gone wrong. As an as now an owner of a Rich Robinson <laughs> guitar, I'm not at all bitter about that. <laughs> Situation that's uh, yeah uh, unforgivable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what what inspired you to go to the concert was it was it just the recommendation from these guys or was it something you'd heard when you were listening to Southern Harmony? Yeah, like uh, it's hard to pinpoint without a, a time machine, but <laughs> they they re- that album just really spoke to me. Uh, it was uh, I f- I found it really irreverent. I found the 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 writing was great. The guitaring was really really good um i was i was lucky enough in high school to have uh, a guy you know flick me a tape and it had cream and um hendrix and the trogs and a whole bunch of this okay uh, uh i said hendrix uh, zeppelin you know we were i was doing a, a lunchtime radio show at uh at school and we had limited resources but I was playing some pretty bad music, partly because of, of a limited album, and and this was the mid '80s, and there just wasn't a lot of great songs or uh, tunes around. Like the, the music was quite awful. For, you know, well, I, I would have to dispute that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but if you, uh, I mean, if you're talking about in this genre in this space, like I remember when um, Remedy came out, it's it was you know quite a shock. Um, less so, Shake Your Money Maker. Shake Your Money Maker to me bridged nicely into the um from what was happening in the 80s yep um whereas you know remedies like 
real bluesy, almost Americana. And it's got that fantastic hook, but it wasn't of its time. Absolutely. So so I got this tape and that turned me on to, you know, retrospectively discovering music and uh, which we'd I'd already been doing uh, to an extent with obviously the Beatles and the Stones with some uh, some other friends as well. But learning that there was a little bit more out there than, uh, and don't get me wrong, I think, you know, uh, Chisels and and uh, totally underrated band, but as far as the 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 Aussie rock classics at the time that were getting you know, heavily pumped on commercial radio, uh, which retrospectively are a lot better than how I, I felt about them at the time. Um, but you know, your Richard Marks and your Howard Jones and stuff like that. It was yeah, um, Ice House that sort of thing that wasn't really speaking to me. So right. it, so it was sort of like take a step backwards in time and then get a little bit of musical knowledge. And then he was also, you know, uh, good at influencing me that, hey, you know, that, that hairband stuff is actually pretty good when you listen to it. And, and you know, that was obviously great. So these guys were into you know, Gunners and Metallica, as I said. So um, the Crows, uh, the Shake Your Money, sorry, Southern Harmony came out and it had just had a, a, a what was a new sound to me which obviously I know now was a real Faces, uh, early Stones sound and that Americana what, what, what about blue the, sound that, that I hadn't been hearing in anything else before and that's what I really loved. So so, so what about the Allman Brothers and the big jam bands like the, you know, the Grateful Dead, the Allman Brothers, Skinner, none of, none of those? Oh, I, exactly. And see, this so, is what that, I, so that's why it was relatively new to you? Yes, exactly. And, and that's what's been so great about uh, why – they're such an important band to me for going forward is that they've led me down all those paths and uh so you got onto the almonds it got onto the almonds uh, and um uh government mules a band they tour with at the moment little yeah yes uh you know tedeschi uh tedeschi trucks Tedeschi Trucks, I can never say it, but uh, Derek, yeah, I th- Derek I th- Trucks. I thought, under, I'd, leave, I'd, leave, I thought yeah. I'd leave you all <laughs> that one all to you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they've led me in, in these other directions and not that I you know, have depth of knowledge in those bands, but I love those sounds and, uh, um, and, and yeah, going back to the, you know, the faces. Like for years I grew up thinking Rod Stewart was, you know, Maggie May and, uh, and that sort of stuff, but, man. See, see, I went with Rod Stewart. I went from uh, – I jumped into the um, – Jeff Beck stuff. Yes. So the first Jeff Beck record with Rod Stewart singing on it, it's just mind-blowing. Like yes. Beckola is just incredible. And you sort of look, that's Rod Stewart? That's not Wake Up Maggie? Yeah, exactly. Like his blues Wake stuff Up Maggie. So, yes, yeah. The yeah. best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and there's obviously comparisons between um, Rod and Chris Robinson, the the singer as well. So um, uh, I'd say Chris is probably slightly taller. Yeah. <laughs> 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 probably uh see it's interesting because with the almonds i was reflecting on it myself because i got into the i actually got into shake your money maker with the you know she talks to angels and the big singles and hard to handle which i still love mm. um but then i sort of faded out with um southern harmony i never actually got around to buying it yep so i was reflecting on why that might be and i think what i did was i got allman brothers band greatest hits for 10 bucks yep so for a third of the price i got you know guaranteed every song on this is already tried tested true here's your big american jam band that'll keep you 
keep you busy for a couple of months. Sure, sure. So I sort of went the other way. Yeah. I, 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 I used them as a gateway, but then I closed the gate behind me for a little while. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I've, I listened to all of the studio albums over the last couple of days uh, in chronological order. Oh, well done. And I tried, but yeah. I didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I realised that uh, I haven't listened to Southern Harmony for a long time. I had to have a break, but it is still an album where I can listen to it and just not want to skip a song, you know, know every lyric, know every uh, chord progression and, and know what song's coming up and it's just ingrained and uh, it's probably good that I, I have a break from time to time. But I, I just truly do love that album to the point where, you know, when I was going back, oh, I love this band, Where what's, what are some more songs I can listen to while I'm waiting for them to, to put out another album? And even in this exercise now, I, I felt hard to handle uh sorry shake your money maker felt more like a uh, collection of singles as opposed to a to a complete album and pretty much all of their albums since then have been more whole albums i feel than than shake your, uh shake your money maker oh that's really interesting mm. um how do you feel about the song she talks to angels is that because that was my gateway i mean i bought the i've got the single on cd i bought the single i became obsessed with the song um, yeah it up to a point because it's in open G tuning, so yes. it always broke my brain to try and learn how to play the damn thing. Yes, but um, is that like uh, like creep for Radiohead fans, or is it a is it a song that? How, how do you feel about that one? Uh a little bit. Um, certainly at the time, it it got a bit like that, and certainly you know hard to handle apart from being obviously a, a cover and a, a great cover. Uh, those three, if you throw in Remedy, are pretty right. much the only songs you ever would hear on commercial radio. Right. Uh, so, so they did have that bit of uh, stigma about them, I guess. Um, I I did like it. I liked the the song, but uh, you know, quickly other songs overtook it. As, as far as yeah, ones that I liked. Uh, it does not like you groan and roll your eyes when when it comes up up in the live set. No, no. Well, they so rarely play it right. anyway. Uh, so you don't so. have fans there petitioning, like, please play the song. Yeah, well, you know, and when you talk about whether you're a super fan or not, I think one of the challenging things uh, of them, apart from the the constant hiatuses <laughs> <laughs> uh, about this band, is that they're going on. Or went. Um, we can talk about them posthumously now, but they went on on such a, a varied musical journey that it was quite often pushing the listener into areas that they probably you know, might not have wanted to go. So See, I would argue the same about Radiohead, though. And and the, and so so what happens with a band like Radiohead is it seemed to me was similar to what happened with um, the Black Crows. They came on the scene with an album that was just like that's the big massive. You know, and at a time where that could still happen, mm. um, and then you know, grunge ushered in, and uh, they sort of became a little bit more of an obscure band. Uh, and doing what you said, and all that experimentation, and um, trying different things, and you still—I just wonder whether there were still the super fans. Well, not the super fans, sorry. The still the fans that came in through the "She Talks to Angels" door that were like, "What the hell is this? Why aren't you just playing big ballads all the time?" Yeah, absolutely. I think there's part a, of that? I think there is. Yeah, I think there's a massive part of that. So, like, uh, I was delighted when I saw them in two thousand and eight uh, at the Palais that they they didn't play Remedy. Oh, see, I I'd have been think. devastated. Yeah, yeah. 
and you know. I've seen Remedy live, of course, right. uh, so that I was helps. I was cool, yeah, cool with it. But uh, I know people would have been. I think I even heard in the uh, uh, in the foyer uh, when you're buying the merch afterwards. I heard somebody saying, "Oh, why put it on a t-shirt if you're not going to play it in your set?" Sort of thing. <laughs> oh, ouch! Exactly. Uh, but you know, like for me, it just would have bumped out another song. So, uh, and I was, you know, hearing and, and with a, whole a jam bunch of songs, band, it, yeah. it's probably going to jump bump out three or four songs. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Depending on how long they des- the version they decide to play is. Yeah. Do uh, they do that live? I should ask. I- I've never seen them live. So do they play longer versions of the songs and have uh, long jams? Yes. They. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, and they brought out a great double album called Crowology. Uh, I can't remember what year, but uh, I think just before the Warpaint album. Uh, and I might have been between Warpaint and and the final double album but they were reimaginings of a lot of lot of the old songs and bizarrely remedy is almost no change at all to it and it's like whereas all the others have got some really great reimaginings of these ex, uh, of these old, uh, other songs you just give the ground you're just so, like yeah they're gonna want to hear it that way yeah i think so Maybe which is you know, I, I would have loved to have heard a different take on it so yeah, yeah. definitely incidentally i did hear uh an interview with Bernard Fanning once that Powderfinger binned a song because uh, it was basically exactly uh, they were about to release it and then Remedy came out and goes oh well that's that song oh really we can't release that now so well at least they binned it yeah <laughs> it's been really interesting to hear what it was though. it would be nice yeah. yeah so I know you're also a Rolling Stones fan uh, which came first for you was it the Rolling Stones or the Black Crows uh I mean obviously so you would have the, had an awareness yeah, of the, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, the Stones are ubiquitous, of course, you know. Yeah. So, well, that's um, a big word, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, if you'd asked me Beatles versus Stones, I probably probably would have said Beatles because we certainly obsessed. 87, I think, was uh, the 20th anniversary of Pepper, Sergeant Pepper. And I think we... Yes. Yeah, we obsessed a bit over over that re-release and... Uh, uh, and and was I was totally into that, so um, so I was probably had a deeper knowledge of the Beatles, but did like the Stones as well. Um, I remember after the concert at the Thebby, <laughs> being so buzzed and, and ringing SAFM the next morning, and, uh, and and just you know the concert was still ringing in my ears, and just wanting to say you know basically tell, tell someone tell anyone. some exactly, and and they <laughs> sponsored it, and it was. Or, or had been advertising tickets or were the station that brought them to town sort of thing and I said, oh, I thought you might want a, want a review of it. And, and they actually asked me the same question, <laughs> which, I said, you know, which came first, the Stones, the Stones or the Black Crows, and, and I think I said, where's the effect of, yeah, well, there's obviously a homage to them there. See, but See, I find that surprising because I actually only associate the two bands through you. Right. Um, and the Open G tune. Yes. But other than that, it's like, to, to my ears, it's, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm not a big fan of Exile. I'm not a big fan of Exile on Main Street. Yeah. So I, because for me, the Stones are more like Gimme Shelter and uh, um, the Let It Bleed album. So when, when people say, yeah, it's the Black Rose, Rolling Stones, are like, which album? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's why you uh, should have done your homework and finished the, uh, all of the discography, but <laughs> it, gets, it does get a lot more in that tint. 
right towards the end, though. Um, but he's so, calling them out on, on. You're saying that they were calling them out on the second. In '96, yeah, exactly. Jeez, well, that's just cheeky. Exactly, or '90 oh, was well before then, wasn't it? '91, uh, I suppose. Yeah, '92, uh, Southern Harmony. Yeah, sorry. Well, see, I did do some research, and um, but Wikipedia gave me the bum steer. And I, I think we exchanged some text about. Uh, is it Chuck Leavell from the Allman Brothers Band? Yeah. And uh, I'd read it as he was, because I thought he'd must, oh, he played the, the keyboard on Remedy. That's why it's so awesome. But uh, you had to correct me on that one. Yes. Ed Harsh. Yeah. 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 And that was a, was a great addition, which, you know, sort of made uh, Southern Harmony. But then Amorica, the, the piano and keys on that album are just absolutely sublime. Is it, I had to listen to a bit of it today. There's a ton of slide on it as well. Yes. A really interesting slide, like on Wiser Time. And yeah, and I think that's pretty much must be attributed to, to Mark Ford. Okay. Uh, going by the sound of the Magpie Salute, it's, it's back with a vengeance, which I'm kind of happy with. Ah, nice. Yeah. Nice one. You mentioned it before. They've had a couple of breakups. Mm. How, how does that affect your view of the band and also your perception of yourself as a fan when they're going through that sort of turmoil and... Yeah, look, the I really remember the second one more so than the uh, the first one, um, but the second one really really hit me. I was I was quite cut for a, for a couple of days. I, I was quite devastated, and um, I shouldn't laugh. That's <laughs> <it's> cruel. <laughs> Single tears. Uh, but that's an interesting question. I mean, Looks every like- time they've come back, it, when they when they've come back, it's it's morphed into something pretty cool and sort of gone into another direction. So, uh, you know, it's like like a lot of you know really good successful touring bands, and uh, they work pretty hard. They tour a, a, a lot, so you can see where the burnout comes, and it's just a matter of you know you just got to you know go away from each other and come back to it. So, so like I said, when they've come back, it has been have been great, and they like uh, War Paint was meant to be a comeback album, but it wasn't particularly strong. But the following uh, Into the Frost before the freeze or, uh, sorry, I'm terrible, well, that's terrible it, that, with names, but that, that, before the frost uh, until the freeze was just a great way. I, didn't, I don't think anybody sort of really knew it at the time, but it was a perfect way to cap off uh, a body of work. It was oh, just fantastic. Well, that's it's, interesting, it's really yeah. good. And, and I, that's, that's my opinion after listening to the whole body of work for the last couple of days it's just like wow because i haven't really listened to it like that for for a couple of years um probably you know not not since it really came out and uh just it's this is fantastic See, I, I couldn't even find um uh, on apple music i couldn't find more paint so is it is that is that something was there something with that album funny you should say that because yeah i could only and i've i've not actually heard it before doing this process uh on Spotify, I could only find Warpaint Live, which was basically the exact same thing, uh, exact same song order, but all live recordings. Right. As opposed to Before the Frost, Until the Freeze, double albums, were recorded in front of a live studio audience sort of thing. So, so you still get the, the clapping, the inter- interaction uh, at the end of the songs, but it's it's engineered so that it's right. silence and you actually get the songs. Whereas the Warpaint Live is a it live is a recording, concert. and there's somebody in my in the left ear just nattering all the way through it. Some, some <laughs> you know, lady with a high pitched voice, and it's just like, oh, that's really frustrating. Uh, but yeah, I don't, so I don't know why the the studio album's not uh, not available. 
I mean, I've, I've got a copy of it, but I, these days you're just too lazy to go and <laughs> put that bit of plastic into a machine and hit play. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, I, I take the, the bit of vinyl personally. Oh, wow. So, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of cool thing about the, the band. Like, they obviously were around, like, my exposure to them was in purely in the CD era. era. But right. they're, they're big proponents of uh, Record Store Day and they're, you know, that from early on, they've always had releases coming out, uh, vinyl releases to celebrate Record Store Day. And uh, so the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, again, have got something out for one of their Betty's, Betty's Blends coming out for Record Store Day or Vinyl Day, whatever they call it, okay. uh, this year. So, so yeah, they've they've always been that, that throwback to uh, uh, the old way of doing things. Nice. Yeah, there'd definitely be a band that would suit that that uh, medium. Mm. And it's interesting about that double album. I don't know why. Um, perhaps there's a technical reason about it, but the the order of the songs. I only just noticed this myself the other day. Uh, on the vinyl releases is different to the the digital and CD releases. So I don't know why they've done that. Uh, it's probably uh, I heard Ron Nevison talk about that with UFOs, um, Strangers in the Night, and it's because you. Like to get the optimal sound from vinyl, you can only fit roughly 18 minutes. 16 to 18 minutes is about the ideal amount of um, audio that you want to have on a record, or it starts to degrade the sound. Yeah. So if you get, you know, like you get those big compilations from back in the 80s where you get 20 songs, that's why they don't sound so great. Yes. Uh, it's because you, know, you lose fidelity on a record as you put more tracks on. So to fit all the songs on, they've got to obviously jigger them around and get that you know to get the rock bottom solos got to go on one side and then you know another long song on another side right okay yeah because uh, that's something i think we're least and we're getting a bit off track here <laughs> but i think we're losing in the in the download age is you know we've, we've become a culture of singles listeners uh and and the Absolutely. structure of an album is getting lost and that's something i've always loved and certainly love with this band well and, and i just recently actually posted reposted my article about that about vinyl and the um the ritual of listening so sure. definitely if uh, anyone wants to check that out i highly encourage giving it a read um do you see the guys getting back together again no 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 that that, 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 that saves me asking the next question which was and would that be a good thing yeah well look uh it's been a hot topic obviously it's really funny because um I wasn't aware of this too until, like I said, I've gone down the, the Black Crows rabbit hole for the last couple of days. Uh, but um, Chris toured in May uh, under the guise of As the Crow Flies okay. and got together with Audley Freed and a few of his other, and Adam McDougal, who's um, keys for the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and has been playing Crow songs during the States. Um, his normal sort of circuit doing doing Black Crow songs and put the guitar down and just being the front man. So and he wasn't doing that with the Brotherhood? Uh, he had a couple of later songs that he'd have in the repertoire uh, and I hold out hope to hear I Ain't Hiding live. Uh, that would be fantastic, which is the the peak of the songs off uh, um, Before the Frost. Okay. Yeah, you know, if you count those as a double album, but yeah, it is. It is a. Uh, it's a great sort of when you think of the Stones. Right. That is a, a disco number it, that is right <laughs> up there with Miss You. You know, it's okay. A, a, it's a driving bass beat, uh, probably stolen from Injury and the Blockheads, but that's See, another now, story. Kiss does a disco song, and everybody's on their case about it. Yeah. No. Rolling like, Stones doing it was like, oh, it was great when the Rolling Stones did Miss You. Possibly my favourite song of their. And it had to wait till the last album until it came out. <laughs> their whole 
ca- um, category. If only uh, they'd catalog. gone disco. Yeah, I know. Maybe that's why they need to get back together. Mm. They can explore that whole disco vibe for us. Yeah, but getting back to that question, I think that's why it's alienated so many uh, fans. You know, the uh, I know people who went to the 2008 gig and went, oh, this is nothing like the Southern Harmony gig. You know, it's like, well, yeah, there's just <laughs> so much more music that they that they do now in there because some of the songs are quite, quite, there's, funky patches in them and there's soul and there's bluegrass and um three snakes and one charm uh, yep. three snakes and one charm yes that's right had the dirty dozen band which has that real new orleans brass yep. jazz element to it okay so that, that's one know. of the albums i do have and i i really dig that record exactly it's got, and uh, nebuchadnezzar yeah that's that's one of my favorite tunes from those guys outside of the obvious ones yeah years before treme uh yeah you know it entered my world it's like wow yeah you guys have been pushing me down this new orleans trip and i you know, hadn't even realized it but uh so the music aside there are always um you know, Chris was such a loudmouth back then, and and they were always anti-establishmentarian. They were um, a, a pro legalized pop band, very very much in that space, and uh, and and that spoke to me as well. <laughs> you know, it was uh, they were the reasons I I like them. Right. Yeah. Right. Going back Interesting to question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of an OU812 vibe about their current band names, so. I don't know if you know the story, but when David Lee Roth left Van Halen, his mm. first album, uh, his first solo album, he called yeah. Eat Em and Smile. Yeah. And then Van Halen responded by calling their next album, Oh You Ate One Too. Yes. And with these guys, you've got the Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Yes. And the Magpie Salute. Mm-hmm. So, Well, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that a... Oh, it's, it's obvi- an obvious nod. Uh, you know, I think the Magpie Salute... Uh, is it a nod or a dig? <laughs> well, yeah, probably a dig. I mean, it's it's basically about, you know, they, they've been brothers of a feather. You know, okay. You know, when Chris and Rich were just touring on their own for a little bit during one of the hiatuses, right. which was the, you know, that's when, when the first sort of in, uh, you know, inkling that there was going to be a hiatus coming to an end was was that. So, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it was that's what was so interesting, like... There's uh, a story about them getting kicked off the ZZ Top tour. They were supporting ZZ Top. <laughs> kicked off the ZZ Top tour. Yeah. Okay. Because the ZZ Top tour was like, uh, apparently it was just covered with merchandising and advertising and there was like Budweiser billboards <laughs> all over the place when they were doing this tour. And, the, and each night Chris would go on to a rant about, you know, capitalism and advertising and right. how was the, you know, the root of all evils of words to that effect. And uh, management asked him a couple of times, stop going down this rant. And he wouldn't do it. So they got, they, got, it down a bit. Yep. <laughs> they got booted off it, off the tour. And uh, and he was ecstatic about it. He goes, yeah, I, I thought <laughs> I'd have to die to get on the front page of the Atlanta Times, which is this local newspaper. And and basically, you know, sneering at, at, at the greed of it all. Yes. So about what year was that? Uh, I th- I think that was probably about ninety one, ninety two. That was Southern okay. Harmony t- time. So, so you I think. Do, do you remember Radiohead touring in the tent? They had a similar thing where Tom York was um, all upset about all of the because a lot of those uh, venues have permanent signage, right? So to get away from it for 
for a year or something. Radiohead were touring around in a tent was a big deal. Was that was the, how they were overcoming that corporate influence? Right. Okay. But that's quite a lot later. Yeah. That would have okay. been like ninety nine, two thousand era for those guys. Right. There's always someone that got there first. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, and from all reports, this is why I think there'll never be a uh, a reunion. Is that Chris wanted to make it so that all the other band members, apart from himself and and Rich, were essentially salaried salaried right, players. So, yeah, yep, the the Paul Stanley Gene Simmons model. Yep. Right. Right. And and so uh, Steve Gorman, the drummer, who I think is a massive part of their sound, uh, and is now you know sportscaster uh, on uh, on Fox Fox Radio over in the states. Okay. Uh, obviously, you know, all of them took a, took umbrage to this idea, but it was just weird that it was greed. I think it's it, ultimately broken them up. It's, yeah, it's, it's like. Just, couldn't handle the bush beer signs, yeah, but um, not enough of a socialist to give everyone their fair their fair share. Because uh, that was something they said about Lemmy. Um, apparently, everyone in Motorhead got an equal cut, like everything, like down the line, split, right, regardless awesome. of your, you know, the maniac drummer or um, you know the you know, like Robbo. I don't know if you know the, there's much about Motorhead and you know some of their vagaries, but it was you know, he was just committed to nope, everyone gets their equal take. Great get split between everyone who contributed yeah excellent so so yeah i mean that's that was a that was disappointing to hear yeah yeah. so which band which band do you prefer out of the brotherhood and the salute uh is the new album having listened to it just on your way in is it tilting you back in the in the rich direction I'd I'd love to say it is is but it's not at this stage and and it's probably going to take a couple of listens but unfortunately uh, as great as the sound is and the sound is is excellent in the first couple of tracks I'm dying to listen to again because they sound <laughs> so fresh I'm really keen to to um, to put them on but uh, lyrically they're just not very strong at all and uh, I keep holding hope and uh, you know. Oh, this is starting to sound pretty good. It's like, oh no, 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 this is really quite trite. So um whereas You're looking for the instrumental tracks. Yeah, well maybe, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh and not that, you know, the, what I'm liking about the new album so far is that the the lead singer whose whose name I really should look up, um, is finding his own voice. Which do, is great. Do you know who writes the lyrics? Is are the lyrics done by Rich or is it uh is it shared in the band or? I don't know. But it they sounds read them like off the back of a chip packet. It does. <laughs> it does sound like it is uh, a bit of shared writing, just by the the content of what I've read so far, of what I've heard so far. Um, John Hogg, yes. So he's a vocalist uh, that uh, Rich had for his short-lived band Hooker Brown during one of their first. Um, hiatuses Right um, And yeah So the songs That sound like When John Hogg's not Trying to be Chris Robinson Are sounding really Really great Okay But but lyrically uh, They're not great uh, From my first listen So maybe they'll, They get a little bit better But they just sound A little bit trite But but so But they're sounding Fantastic So um, uh, But then The Chris Robinson Brotherhood I, I kind of did dig Straight away Because I like The new New Earth Mud stuff which was uh 
some of that stuff sort of found its way onto Black Crow's albums. But uh, is he continuing on that sort of experimentation and searching and yeah. trying different things, which is what appealed to you in the first place by the sound of it absolutely yeah yeah and they very much are a, a jam band more so probably from what i'm hearing so far than than the magpie salute right um and yeah so i'd have to say probably even though i've, I've got rich's guitar i i think uh chris has probably you know got my got my head because he's he was also one for always one for championing championing letting your freak flag fly and uh and, and that's really appealed to me that is not easy to say, is nope. it? <laughs> Second time around, I still tripped on it. So for people who are fans of this type of music and perhaps people who have given up on the Robinsons altogether, mm. who, who else should they be checking out? Who else are you listening to that gives you that same sort of vibe and feeling? Yeah, um, it's, that's a good question. Like I said, I'm I'm one for being quite retrospective in my musical listenings. There, there is a lot of Allman Brothers music out there for people that are looking. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. can keep you occupied for quite some time if you want to go backwards, definitely. Mm. So like I'm I'm in the at the moment I'm I'm starting to rediscover, like I said, the the faces and uh and even early out Aerosmith albums I'm really loving. Um in in a Sort of a Black Crow's tint. Uh, there's a band called Blackberry Smoke, which are which are I've heard quite of cool. Um, You've given them a listen. Yeah, yeah, I, I really quite like those guys. So, nice. Um, and they're in all the guitar mags at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to check them out. Yeah. You know that that it's Blackberry Smoke. Blackberry Smoke. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a cool sounding name. So <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, uh, I remember just hearing something. I think it might have been on uh, 3D Radio, and just yeah. Having to having to shazam it because it was just wow. This oh, is, I love when that happens. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was just trying to bring up my shazam list to uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to see if uh, I had any uh, tips there. Here we go. Well, we saw the Wanderers the other night. Yes, um, that's a local band. Mm. Uh, as as he, as the uh, singer pointed out, uh, all the way from Mile End. Yes, uh, suburb in Adelaide. They're doing some interesting stuff. though. like the first time I saw them. They were a bit more in that space, but when we saw them the other night, they played uh, Doobie Brothers songs. Yeah. And Yacht Rock, which was an interesting choice, probably appropriate to the crowd that was there, though. So yeah, that, yes. that was for the opening of the uh, Adelaide Guitar Festival and the, the crowd waiting to go in for Tommy Emmanuel. Yes. Uh, and of an age. Yes. Of, of a certain age. That's and right. um, they acquitted themselves nicely. A very mm. like, bang on version of uh, what was that song? What a Fool Believes. Yep. But they 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 do some stuff in that space as well, don't they? Uh, yeah, well, certainly now that they've added, uh, well, I'm not sure if added, but yeah, they've they've got a, a very keyboard driven sound as well. Uh, Dusty, the lead vocalist and guitarist, is just a super talented guy, yeah. and uh, and he's got a, a great voice. Uh, yeah, amazing. Like whether you love or hate the song by the Doobies, like just to be able to physically sing that song is. Damn impressive! Yes, yes, indeed. Yep. Yeah, uh, and and you, we were discussing this the other night, and you said he, he made it look effortless, and uh, I said I, I, he did make it look effortless, people. Yes, and I, <laughs> I t- took you to task on you at the time, but no, I, I agree with you. He's he's 
didn't yeah, have Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he uses the physical histrionics because obviously mm. you've got to put some effort into singing like that. Yes. Like, to hit those notes and to sing in that range. Yeah. Like, it does take a physical effort, but... Um, and I don't think I articulated myself very clearly, but what I was getting at was like he didn't hit a bum note. Like, no. Like he sang that song from top to bottom and it sounded CD quality. It was like, my gosh, that's very impressive. It was great. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, they did a fantastic Fringe show where uh, the first set was LRB songs and then the second set was Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young songs and it was amazing and they, yeah, pulled out some some brilliant harmonies. And, yeah, and both uh, those bands are going to stretch you as a singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and, quite, and, the, and the, the keyboardist was chucking in some decent harmonies as well. Like yes. really nice, really good, really mm. blended really nicely. Yeah. Uh, check out those guys whenever you can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Wanderers. Mm. Definitely. Um, and anybody else that you wanted to throw in there? Um, you I, mentioned- I, I love Leon Bridges uh, at, at the moment. and Leon Bridges. Yes. The name sounds familiar. Is that... Again, another soul sort of funk. Uh, is that American, Australian? Yeah, American okay. uh, guy. Good Thing is his 2018 release. And uh, I just I just love that song. I can't get enough of that. How would you come across that one? Uh, I think it was probably just a double J uh, listen that, okay. I, that I heard. Uh, that was good. Um, so... It's funny. Some of the bands that that I that you know appeal to me in that same tint as the Black Crows sort of come up and then go away quite quickly. So there was a band in the early two thousands, I think it was called We Are Little Barry. Okay, do you remember that? No, never oh, heard of them. So that was great. But again, one one album, Pommy Band, I think it was, and uh, um, yeah, uh, was was a great sound. But then just yes, just just went away. And the other thing I like about the the crows is they they pick some really interesting covers, and that has taken me down some some different paths as so well. So what else so have they done? Because they did. I mean, hard to handle is the obvious one. Hard to handle is the obvious one. Well, see, Southern Harmony Musical Companion. I was listening to that again, and I I think I realised why they did it. But there was an Australian release of that where they covered Ninety Nine Pounds and Anne Peeble classic. And that is a killer song, and Chris singing it is just fantastic. And I was thinking if they'd put that on the end of Southern Harmony instead of Time Will Tell, which is a reggae cover, uh, that would have been almost a perfect, perfect album for me. But because that's almost probably the only song that I'm that I'm not crazy about on Southern Harmony. Uh, yeah, they tried the reggae. There's another Rolling Stones link. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But that's obviously f- like there's concert footage of them, you know, uh, doing Three Little Birds because, you know, reggae obviously with the ganja thing. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's the, the hook there. Uh, but I guess they didn't do 99 Pounds because that would have made that their, their second cover on the second album would have been another soul classic. Okay. So uh, hard to handle and then and right. the people's one. So I'm presuming that's why that. That didn't go that way. Um, but Chris Robinson Brotherhood did uh, Saturday night in, uh, and it was a, a thing that they were doing every Saturday night in whatever town they would uh, they would do. They would do Saturday night in dot, 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 but it was the Tony okay. Joe White uh, cover of the Saturday night in Louisville, I think it is. Okay. And and that's a killer song as well. Uh, and so that sort of got me into Tony, Tony Joe White and, you know, of course, Polk Salad Annie and uh, all those other tunes of his. So it was great to see him when he was at the Gov last time. So and apparently he's he's touring again with a full band, which would have to be his last last ever tour. So wow. Mm. 
All right, so now we're going to move into the lightning round. Okay. So the lightning round is something that I made up. Um, and this is where your answers need to be 25 words or less. Oh. <laughs> I've been doing well with that so far. <laughs> okay. Favorite album? Oh, of Black Crows? Of Black Crows. 25 words or less, which is going to be a challenge because some of the album titles yes. start getting you up there pretty quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, geez, that is so tough. And I've. I'm I've counting. Re- I've researched. You're running out of words. What about time? <laughs> Gee, that is crazy. I'd, okay, Amorica. I'll, I'd say Amorica. Okay. Yep. Favorite song? Favorite song. See, that's a toss up between. Probably my morning song, which I think is the best opening guitar riff. But I think I'll have to stick with I Ain't Hiding. I Ain't Hiding. Yeah. Okay. Favourite show? Favourite show? Favourite show. Whether you've seen it, DVD, <sighs> CD. I do like the Lockin Festival because I love that. And that with Jackie Green on guitar and they do a, a killer cover of um, Jumping Jack Flash. Oh, nice. Which I, I really love. With some cool in there <laughs> um but no i can't go past the theby that was that was killer that nice was uh favorite robinson <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna say chris yeah just say chris yeah man I'm, I'm gonna have to deduct marks for not picking the guitarist <laughs> yeah all right but i think i'll give you a pass mm. okay did you want to add anything else well because you sort of mentioned yeah deducting points of of uh, for not choosing the guitarist, I'll redeem myself by talking about the the cool guitar that I got, which was the Rich Robinson uh, ES three three five. I actually have quite a good relationship with that guitar too. I think I've told you, like playing that guitar has saved me money, right? Because it's such a beautiful guitar to play that when I pick up a guitar in a guitar shop, quite often it's just like, nah. Nah, no. It's like, yeah, you just don't get that feeling. It's just got that beautiful feeling just to physically play it. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it was. It's great. I mean, like, I I can't play well enough to deserve owning a guitar of that stature. But I, uh, I was buying myself a treat. I I finished uni and I was, you know, had been studying for a long time and I wanted my first electric guitar. And even though it was ridiculously too expensive. Uh, for somebody who doesn't play professionally at all. Uh, but it was what I like about it is the story of how it came about. Right. In that he lost a whole bunch of guitars in the uh, Hurricane Sandy floods. And for anybody who doesn't know about this guitar, it's the it's the red guitar that's featured in the Remedy film clip. Okay. So, yeah, and he, he plays played it throughout his career. And it's a, a 63 uh, vintage guitar. Uh, ES-335 in cherry red. And Gibson were restoring his guitar after uh, it got water damage in the in the flood. And then they came up with this idea of doing a signature series and releasing them. Right. And he was actually playing one uh, while he was waiting for his car, uh, guitar to be restored. So I like the idea that not only is it it's a copy and it's a signature series, uh, of it, but basically the the original doesn't exist in its original form right. anymore as well. So that's kind of why I I liked it. And I like and I thought it's basically it's the ultimate bit of band merch that you can get out there. So uh, so it's great. And I think there was about seven hundred made 
okay. uh, in total, seven or seven, seven fifty, seven hundred. So, so yeah, it's a, a numbered one of those. So, so that's that's great fun to have. Um, but the disappointing thing, I was listen, watching one of his rig rundowns. Uh, don't you love rig rundowns uh, on YouTube? Sure, it, well, I'll say yes. You've not seen any? I'm not a tech guy. Oh, really? I'm a feel guy. I pick it up and feel. I'm t- you know, uh, a tactile person. Ah, oh, I like to be able to feel it. I, I'm uh, from an intellectual point of view. I mean, sometimes I enjoy them, um, but uh, it, it's it's a little bit like I'm not, you know, like the technology and stuff. is sort of an afterthought for me. Ah, oh, I don't Would, mind watching. I'm watching them. I've, I, yeah, I, even though I'm like I said, I'm not not qualified enough to to know about this stuff or own this stuff, but I love it. Like I was watching Neil Casell, which is the you know guitarist for the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and his uh, tech rundown, and he was saying, "Oh, you got to get onto these picks. I'm not messing with you. These are the best things you'll ever ever have." And I was actually sick in a hotel in in Bangkok. I went, "Oh, yeah, okay, Neil." Clickety click, go up and try and buy one of these picks. They're seventy dollars each for a pick. For a pick, that's uh, like yeah. Good Lord, I want to play the guitar have, for you. Have yet to uh, pick one of these up. I can't think stage. why. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in one of his rig rundowns, Rich was saying uh, that he had a, a couple of other guitars restored and that they sound so much better than uh, than than before. They were uh, damaged. Uh, okay. Yeah, except the three three five. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't say it sounded worse, but he just said, "Yeah, it just doesn't sound better." Unlike the others, that sounded uh, sounded better. So, yeah, right, right, nice one. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but. <laughs> well, man, thank you so much for dropping by to do this. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again. No worries. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks BJ. Cheers, man. So, what do you think? Are you ready to go back through the Black Crow's catalog and dig out those gems? What about the Chris Robinson Brotherhood or the Magpie Salute? You can let us know what you thought at One Red Shoe Pod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And let us know if you've got any suggestions for obsessions you want to hear more about. You can also check out the show notes on our website, oneredshoepod.com. We've listed most of the bands we mentioned and provided links to some of the albums VJ recommended. Our next episode will be arriving soon. So keep an ear out for the next One Red Shoe podcast and thanks for listening.